Hello, everybody. This is Josh again on Big Nerdy Questions. And after two weeks of awesome anime content, I am taking the reins back from Ed. And we are now going to be discussing something a little different. Uh, Tonight, we are going to give those characters who have been put through the ringer by their authors a chance at revenge. Revenge served cold. Tonight, we decide which characters would want to kill their authors. <laughs> but on such a violent question as this, we needed a special guest. Uh, so joining us tonight in Big Nerdy Headquarters, uh, we've been trying to get her on for a long time, and we're so excited that she's here. The acclaimed author of Becoming Hero, Jen Finelli. welcome to Big Nerdy Questions. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. And Jen is a listener of the show, so I'm so excited that she is a fan of ours because we have a fan, are a fan of hers. So this is a lovely, lovely relationship, of course, that's about to go sour with all those characters that are going to be doing dastardly <laughs> deeds in just a minute. Uh, but I also want to introduce our other panelists on this episode. We have Colleen. Hello. We have Rachel. Hey, y'all. And, of course, we have Matt, who I believe has procured a sponsor for the evening. Yeah, and you already did it. You're kidding. No, I'm not. Well, what was the sponsor? Well, Josh, tonight's episode is brought to us by Revenge. Revenge. <laughs> Best surf cold. <laughs> that's the first time that's ever happened in the history of big nerdy questions folks uh uh i don't know his sponsors in advance uh, a little bit behind the scenes so there you go uh i think think it's adorable i think we should leave it uh oh we're leaving it that was fantastic uh well done on the timing uh and i also should point out once more i mentioned it uh, a couple weeks ago on the show but we're getting that much closer ladies and gentlemen Big Nerdy Questions does have an actual sponsor, and I can now reveal the first hint about this sponsor. This sponsor is a very fun website. Ooh. More clues, and this will be revealed soon. Very soon, listeners. You will hear our real, honest-to-goodness sponsor, and not only will we be doing uh, the basic stuff that sponsors do, but we're going to be having some awesome collaborative content and a brand new segment of Big Nerdy Questions is coming with this sponsor. So this is going to be incredibly exciting, uh, and we'll tell you more when we can. Ooh, ah, yes, I, I see. It's you, so exciting. I know, it's super exciting. And uh, Jen, you will find out what it is after the show. You can find out now. But our listeners will have <laughs> to wait just a little bit longer. But, uh, Jen, as our special guest, you have the distinct honor, the privilege, nay, the duty to provide a big, nerdy recommendation. Are you up to the challenge? I do accept this great duty. Then, Jen, please recommend something for our listeners to imbibe. So I have recently been watching Babylon 5, which is the strangest (gasps) thing I have ever seen. Um, It's this really interesting 90s show. It's a little bit slow at first, but it's based around the idea of this diplomacy center in space where all these different aliens uh, and people meet. And it's kind of got the sociological exploration aspect of Star Trek, but they don't go anywhere, um, with a lot of drama, a little bit 
Battlestar Galactica in the drama center. Um, there are some ways in which the writing lack is a little bit lacking, and there's some things with acting and some character things that are a little bit lacking. But it's really creative. It's one of the most creative shows I've actually seen in a long time. Somebody gasped. What? Have you seen it? That's me. Oh my god, I love that. It's like your favorite. Time. It's Colleen's favorite. It's, it's, it's one of her so favorite shows. Good. Yeah. It's so good. Oh my god, yes. What season are you on? I'm still on just the second season, so I'm oh, still in this whole like hole in his mind thing. And I really like I really like the Narn diplomat actually, and I'm really worried about him Jakar? being. Yeah, I really like I him. He's my favorite. Uh, so yeah, uh, seasons three and four is like every episode is like completely mind blowing. I, I watch it going, oh my god. It can't possibly get any better. And then I watch the next episode. I'm like, oh, and it gets better. Oh, it gets better. But I can't get any better than this. And it does. It's just, oh, it's just, love it. She's doing so a way better Babylon job books. selling my recommendation than I am. Well, she loves Babylon 5. So, what, yeah, I, I, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, my God. I'm so glad Colleen is here. <laughs> well, have you ever thought it would be so awesome to cosplay as the Kosh, um, sorry, as Kosh, like the, the Vorlon representative? Because his uniform is so weird. You know, well, I would really a, like to see someone cosplay. Suit. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'd really like be, to see someone cosplay that. If cos- someone should cosplay as Kosh in the containment suit, right? And then someone yes. should also cosplay as him when he's outside the suit. You yeah. see that? You ever see that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> I'd like to cosplay as the station itself. You would. <laughs> He'll do it too. You you would, Josh. Is there is there a, is there a way we can watch Babylon Five? Like right now, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I don't think it is. I'm guessing, Which Jen, is... you're watching the DVDs. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's so good. I'm watching. Yeah. The the really cool thing, I'm just going to, as another plug for Bab 5, is that, um, and this was very unusual for the time period, like you said, it came out in the 90s, is that the writers actually planned out all five seasons. And uh, the actors couldn't ad-lib, or if they wanted to ad-lib, they had to get it approved beforehand, so it's not really ad-libbing, because anything that they said that was off-script could potentially like have major impacts on the plot line further on down the road. Well, speaking of impacts on the plotline, apparently <laughs> the entire reason that the um, Centauri race has that weird hair like that is the actor. The actor was just playing around in his acting room, and he puffed his hair up, and he looked at the director, and he was like, "Hey, what do you think about this for a for like, that's the Centauri?" That's hilarious. Yeah, and the director was like, "Uh, that's awful." But like, but he he, was, he didn't say that because he was like, "I guess I should trust my actors." And he was thinking, "This is terrible. This is the worst." But he said okay and the actor was actually just joking and he was like oh no now i have to (laughs) to do this forever it defined Uh, a race his mistake defined an entire race that's that's so funny i've actually met that actor uh peter jurassic yeah completely by accident i used to work at best buy and he came through my line and I was looking at him like, why do you seem so familiar? And then, and then after he left, I was like, <gasps> I had like a giant nerd moment. <laughs> it was, you know, delayed. Delayed nerd moment. Hashtag delayed nerd moment. That's our first hashtag of the week. But it isn't. It sounds dirty, but it isn't. Hashtag it's delayed nerdy. nerd moment. Better than, better than premature nerd moment. But that's another <laughs> show. And, and at some point, maybe we can have you back on, Jen, because... 
one of our good friends, Rick, who was on the show a few weeks ago from Starbase 66 podcast. He is a big fan of Babylon 5 and of DS9, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And we want to do a B&Q at some point on what was the better space station show. Uh, so mm. this could be really okay. intriguing uh, at, at some point down the line. Because uh, I know we can get more into Babylon as well as to DS9, which arguably DS9 is the most serialized, oh, until the newest Star Trek, the most serialized, well-planned out Star Trek series of the bunch. So there's some interesting stuff there. So I'm so glad you recommended Babylon 5. But we want to recommend something else as well, and that is your amazing novel called Becoming Hero. Uh, so Thank for you. the people who have not heard of it yet, um, and that's no fault of your own, you know, ignorance is never your own fault unless you have d- willful, unless it's willful. <laughs> so we are here to educate you on why this is such an amazing work. Uh, Jen, if you'll just tell our listeners what Becoming Hero is about. First off, I thought it was. Uh, I, I would like to meet the person who is willfully trying to be ignorant of my book. <laughs> I think that would be very funny. No, I don't want to hear about comic book characters who shoot their authors. No, 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 no. Um, that's what it's about. It's a comic book character who he's gone through all the stereotypical comic book ups and downs. Um, I was inspired to write it because I was so angry after finishing a Batman comic by Kevin Anderson um, and then. I I was just it was I made me mad that like they would do this another ridiculous plot twist with Batman that doesn't make any sense at all and they keep putting him through things over and over again that are like it's like at this point it's not even realistic anymore hmm. uh, and then I saw under the hood under the under the red hood uh, which mm-hmm. I'm sure will it'll come up later because we're going to talk that's our question right today is what are the what characters would want to kill their authors. So exactly. there's other characters that I that really inspired me because I was like, this is upsetting. If I were this character, I would kill my author. And so I wrote a character who wants to kill his author. When he comes out of the book, though, he meets the reader. And it's about the relationship between readers, characters, and authors. And this reader is this nerdy black kid who's been, you know, teased all his life. It's, it's not just um, a part of his – it's part of his identity – that he's not allowed to be nerdy and people are upset with, you know, him being that way. Um, and he loves comic books so much. And he meets this, this kid who ends up moving, this homeless kid who ends up moving into his house, who reminds him a lot of his favorite superhero. Little does he know it is his favorite superhero who's come to kill his favorite author. And he has to decide whether he is going to align with the real world. He's always hated or the comic book world he's always loved. And to make it worse, his father is the cop on the case tracking down the author's murderer. Awesome. So it's pretty fun. <laughs> it is fantastic. Uh, it's, it's kind of the ideal novel for those of us who are on this show and who listen to this show. Because we create Big Nerdy Questions as a place where nerds can come together and we, yes, we kvetch about the things we don't like in nerddom, but we always accept one another as nerds into our community. And, you know, he, your protagonist is going through this sort of a struggle of, I'm not being accepted who I am. Maybe I want to side with this fictional world that's become real. And it's an amazing uh, dilemma. It's not science fiction, but it, it reminds me of a phrase from science fiction that the best science fiction and really the best genre work is ones that create 
implausible, unlikely, impossible scenarios to shine a light on the real human condition. And really, that's what you've done in Becoming Hero. I, that is high praise, and that's a, a very good quote. That's that. Are you? What are you writing? It sounds like you're working on something. <laughs> I'm not. That's actually. I've heard that quote before, but I I I have ideas in my head. I can talk with you later about something stuff that I want to write. But uh, and uh, all of us have done some writing. Colleen has amazing fan fiction. Rachel's done a lot of uh, writing in the past too. So you know, uh, and Matt and I are both historians. So obviously, we've written a lot of nonfiction uh, historical works uh, as well as Colleen. So we've done a lot of. Putting pen to paper, although it, none of it was actually pen and paper. Uh, uh, but, well, in my case, in my case, apologies, Matt. Uh, fingers to keyboard. Yes. It doesn't have as much eloquence, though, does it? Uh, to say fingers to keyboard. That, that also sounds dirty, but isn't. Oh, God. Uh, Stop fingering your keyboard. Oh, God. That's, that's not dirty. That's QWERTY. That's right. Wow. <laughs> Mavis Beacon really teaches typing. No, uh, really? uh, so I yeah, it's a really amazing work for people who are of the nerdy persuasion. And honestly, it's a love letter to nerd culture in sort of the same vein as Ready Player One is a love letter to the '80s culture. Mm. I mean, it's very much in that style. Uh, Colleen, I know that you have been. You've had your nose in this book uh, for the past week. Do you have any questions for Jen? Uh, well, like I said, um, I'm still kind of like in the beginning part of it, so uh, I, I now know more <laughs> than, I, than I did before we started this show. Uh, but it, I can tell um, our listeners that it's, you know, you get sucked into the story like right from the get-go, which is, you know, in my opinion, like some of the best types of writing. It doesn't, it just, you just go right into it, which is awesome. And that line about the the main character where he says in his head, oh, wonderful, I always wanted to have something in common with Captain Antilles was just, it, I died laughing. <laughs> he's the guy who gets choked for, I'm sure everyone on BNQ knows, but somebody might not know. Um, he's the guy who gets choked in um, A New Hope by Darth Vader, and the protagonist is getting choked in the beginning. So that's his that's his thing. He's very nerdy. That's how he thinks. <laughs> the references are spot on in this work, but uh, the work itself speaks to much greater themes. And I, I want to congratulate you on such an awesome achievement, Jen. So uh, where can our listeners find a copy of Becoming a Hero themselves? You can Google it. Um, they can find it on Amazon. They can find it on Barnes & Noble. They can find it on this weird Russian site that I think sells women, too. I'm not sure. Um, it's, it's, it's every place that books are. There's that one. There's some site, like Bookzio or something, that's offering, like, half of it, I think, illegally. There's... <laughs> It's so don't use that one, folks. <laughs> it's, it is everywhere. If you want to order a physical copy, there's a version that has comics, like an actual comic book in it, so that as the reader in the book is reading the comic books, you are also reading the comic books, and as the character is coming out of the comic books, you are watching him in the comic books, and it's kind of it's a little bit trippy. Uh, so if you want that physical copy with comic books, you can find me at a con. Um, I always go to Wizard World Austin. Or uh, you can hit, actually hit up my Indiegogo, where that originally helped um, to pay for the artist. And that is, um, you just search for Becoming Hero Comic on Indiegogo. The website for the book is becominghero.ninja, not .com, because what is a com? .ninja, because ninjas are cool. 
so become a hero dot ninja and you can find all the links it's it's literally everywhere that books are sold but if you can't uh if you don't want a physical copy uh digital copies are always easier for everyone and there's a version with comics in it if you get it from my website you can actually sometimes get or if you meet me at a con you can sometimes get like four or five books at once and all kinds of sneaky deals uh so be sure to check out my website and if you add yourself to my mailing list through there you can sometimes get the book free or other versions of the book free. And if you find her at a con, you will yourself become a hero. So, you know, that's another plus. It's true, actually. There's a, um, we did one thing at a con where we had the artist, she created heroified versions of fans who came. And we also had the option to uh, sign up for superhero alerts, which is a project that I do where, I find kind of people in need or situations that are particularly needy. I think my next superhero alert is going to be about girls in Tanzania, um, who uh, pregnant teen girls who are being um, hurt and discriminated against, and uh, ways that like you can actually help them right now. Practically, we did the same thing. We sent out our last superhero alert was about Puerto Rico. How you could like right now in front of your computer screen help out. Uh, so if you, if you, if you check out my website and sign up for that, uh, you can get superhero alerts and you can become a hero, which is kind of cool. And that's why Jen is an amazing person as well as an amazing author. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> that's not true. I, we just have a very good group. We're a very good group of, um, of readers and fans and writers. And I think the nerd community does want to help and make a difference in the world because we read so much about people who want to make a difference that that affects how we think, I think. Absolutely, I think. <laughs> uh, so I know that's such a serious topic, but now to move on to something a little bit more lighthearted, or is it? Uh, because we're now going to talk about characters that have want to kill their authors. Uh, and I'm going to start with Colleen this week because uh, this is your first episode since you were surreptitiously recorded by JP when you and Ed went on a expletive-laden rant. rant about The Last <laughs> Jedi rant. that actually has since become the most highly engaged episode in the history of Big Nerdy Questions. Wow! Uh, um, <laughs> so, I feel like I owe it to you to start us off this week. Um, now, remember, this is a regular episode that will be bleep, so if you go on any bleeping, <laughs> please be merciful to your kind editor. But I do give you the floor first, so take it away. Alrighty then. Well, um, I, I could not resist. I, I had to do, go with my first pick as being um, Excel from the Excel Saga. <laughs> <laughs> Matt knows. Matt knows. I know too. <laughs> yeah, goes Rachel, because uh, in one of the episodes, and I think it may have been the very first episode, she actually killed the author. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. She's uh, yeah, she's she's a crazy teenager who's like a minion for some random dude who wants to like take over not a city and not the world, but just a you know a prefecture, right? So like <laughs> part of a city. And, you got to uh, dream small first. I think like his, his goals are just F city and F prefecture. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, his goals are a bit more realistic, right? You know, but um, so, yeah. So uh, one of her targets, you know, she just uh, she she kills him. And then the entire series has to start over from the beginning because it turns out that she actually did kill the animator. <laughs> oh no! It's <laughs> so like when Bugs Bunny. That's like when Bugs Bunny is arguing with the animator in the <laughs> earlier. 
such an interesting relationship people have with animators, I think. It's so funny. The almighty like, pencil and the eraser. You see it all the yeah. time. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just... Uh, Anyway, I, was just, I had to start with that one because it's like, I mean, you know, for all, all of our characters we're going to talk about who never did have the opportunity to actually, you know, kill their, their author, at least, at least, you know, there's hope because Excel did it. I mean, it was an accident, but she did it. <laughs> how does she, she do that? How does she meet the animator? Uh, he's one of the targets selected by the, the, the head guy. It's been so long since I watched it, I remember his name, but the, the one no dude, plot. what was his name? El Palazzo. It, oh, that's right. El Palazzo. Italian, the palace. <laughs> That's right, Lord of Palazzo. Forgot. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he's he's um uh, the the animator author is one of the uh, the targets selected by uh, Lord uh, you know Palazzo um, as as that deemed as deemed as some kind of a threat and and she goes after him while he's you know feverishly working on the very scene that's happening and she has a giant sword and uses it. <laughs> hey, was that on purpose? Did the did did the main bad guy know that he was the animator? Uh, I think it's a joke. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of jokes about uh, television shows and anime in particular within this anime, and this is one of those jokes. Uh, in the very awesome. first episode, I think it restarts like three times because the first time you meet Excel, she's like, "I'm so super happy," and I'm like skipping my way out of my high school, and then she runs into traffic and she gets hit by a car, and the entire <laughs> episode starts over <laughs> from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, that's awesome! I'm gonna have to check that out. Do you identify with that character? <laughs> Some uh, crazy person that's like you know who's like fervently in love with you know the crazy guy who wants to take over a prefecture. Not really. I just <laughs> no, no. You just like. It. <laughs> uh, no, I just like the jokes. There's another episode where uh, like they decide to try to take over a bowling alley, and if you look in the background, they have like an NPC who is like just randomly keep, keeps bowling the entire time while all this crazy, crazy chaotic stuff is going on. They're just <laughs> keep playing the game. Hey, the, the league focused. is there are no timeouts in league bowling. Okay, <laughs> no. it's like they say in GHS. It's all about the game. Yeah. <laughs> all about the game. I'm sure that was uh, EA Sports. <laughs> if it's no, in, the game, yeah. in the game, that's or now it's in the microtransaction, but yeah, yeah, and uh, but yeah, Matt and Rachel have seen the same series, and they sound like they remember more than I do. But <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> so they they could also talk about it. But that was my first pick. Hooray! Uh, and Matt and Rachel, I think that you would agree with that pick. Yes, I, I mean she she literally pulled it off. So. <laughs> <laughs> so she I guess, it's not just that she would, it's that she does. I mean, and it's the one time I guess you can say that she actually succeeds at anything. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Was she not a particularly good assassin? Nope. No, no, no. She she generally sucked at life. So yeah, she was yeah. she's the Mr. Bean of assassins. She's a She's a hyperactive spaz of a character. The original <laughs> dub voice for her, she talks so quickly, the original dub voice for her had to retire from the role after six episodes because she lost her voice doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, she has a, a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, her success rate, not so good. So, the Cleveland Browns. I mean, she was standing on top of a mountain one time that... While it got blown up, so. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> the animators' ghosts come back with revenge. <laughs> yeah, who animates the movie? Who an- who the- is it? A new animator or what? How do they work that? Oh, it just oh after she kills him. Oh, they just they just start the they just start the series over again. I think it happens like in the first episode. Does the style yeah, they, they change? Actually, explain it. They just go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, like, they, they just keep going like nothing happened. Nice. Yeah, they have the, like they literally have like this little scene where the universe t- tends to like you know intercede and like resets time. Wow. It's like a fifth Groundhog Day. So surreal. Sorry. Much reset. Wow. Yep. yep. Well, congratulations to the first character that did it <laughs> accidentally, unlike Jin's yep. character who does it very much intentionally. But we'll, we will move on uh, to uh, Rachel with her first pick. Okay. Well, mine's not so funny. Neither of my picks are funny. But I had to think to myself, um, when, a, when an author loves a character and an author wants a character to to be their best, they have to put them through the ringer. So I thought of, I wanted to pick one from a video game where a character, like, literally went through the ringer. And spoiler alert uh, for this one, it's the protagonist from the original Dragon Age. Specifically, you can choose what your character's background is going to be, and that shapes the character, and that shapes certain things. So I'm actually going with the female city elf origin as either a ranger or a warrior. And the reason I picked that is I'm just going to kind of rapid fire explain why their life sucks so bad and why they would want to do it. Um, They live in an alienage, which the uh, writers based off a Jewish ghetto. Basically, elves in this game are second class citizens. They live in poverty. They are uh, they are not allowed to worship their gods. They're basically in in a ghetto uh, set apart from the rest of the cities. in this, in the beginning of the game, someone in the alienage attacks a, a noble who's in the area uh, and disrespecting them, you know, saying things to their women and whatnot. And then shortly after that, it cuts to your, again, I'm sticking with the female character, to your wedding ceremony, to your betrothed. And as the ceremony is going through, the noble comes back with some men. And if you're a woman, they kidnap you and all of the female brides and put you somewhere. And you literally have to fight your way out in a wedding dress. And, <laughs> That's awesome. And you find your, your to-be husband murdered. You can take his wedding ring, which ironically is a great way to make money in the game, but you know how the stuff goes. And you're saved by a great warden who is looking for other recruits. That's the only way you get out of the lot, because they would have killed you otherwise. So in order to become a great warden, you have to drink poisoned dark spawn which is kind of like a demon blood this kills like 95 percent of the people who do it they don't survive through it because it it, it, like just kills them in this case you survive you turn into a gray warden being a gray warden means you are linked to the dark spawn hive mind and, and prevented further corruption so that you can be an excellent fighter against them because you are now a gray warden you have you're tormented by prophetic dreams. You are basically infertile. You have an incredibly short lifespan. And when it comes to the end of your now unnatural life, uh, most people are called to death and they go find an honorable death and they die that way. And then, that's just the beginning. Then oh, wait, go- there's more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then you go through a whole bunch of stuff in the game. Lots and lots of hours gameplay. And at the end, one of the options is you dying to save the world. 
So that's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> what's the other option? <laughs> uh, sending uh, another person to die in your play to could be your lover. Oh, yeah, that's kind of lame. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I remember the, the first, ironically, the first time I played the game, that was the background I ended up doing. And I was like, what? Uh, yeah, it's, if you're the male care, the male city elf, then basically your, your bride gets kidnapped and you go rescue her. And when you get there, she's already been murdered. That's the flip side. But I think the, I think the female one's more interesting because you have to fight your way out. In fact, the key art for that background is a elf in a tattered wedding dress covered in blood and holding a knife. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and uh, specifically, I want to mention the name of the person who came up with her backstory, and that would be uh, Daniel Erickson. So I would I would definitely say that she would stab him with the same knife in the key art. <laughs> saying, are you freaking kidding me? Why are you crap? <laughs> Better watch out, Daniel. She's coming yeah, for you. All I yeah. wanted was a beautiful <laughs> wedding. I don't think he works anymore, but screw it. She'll find him. And... <laughs> And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember going through that and going, what? So that's how I feel about that one. As an aside, <laughs> what is it with authors putting their characters through horrible weddings? Like, <laughs> that, that is uh, one of the uh, most uh, common tropes in all of fiction, period. It's a great way to make things crazy. It's a group. It's because of our inter- <laughs> we have interfere of weddings. <laughs> See, and you wonder why our wedding had so few people at it. <laughs> that's good better security it's seven. harder for for the nobles to come in and kill you if they, if they don't know where you are because there's only seven of you well seven of yeah no, i don't think anyone was gonna backstab anyone but yeah it's like uh ill man i i just remember yeah seeing- you're right there's braveheart that was awful and then uh was it kill bill another another learning, yes game of thrones Pretty obviously a more yeah, innocent yeah. one is the girl in Wreck-It Ralph, the sergeant yes. lady in Wreck-It mm-hmm. Ralph. <laughs> Frozen, in a way. Quartz uh, uh, Bride. Yes. Yeah. Title says it all. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a trope for that. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sure that Friends. I oh, take yeah. I take several, the Rachel. Several times over. Yeah. yeah. Several times over, actually. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you say, Josh? I'm no. already married, dude. No, that that was in the in the show. It was supposed to be supposed to be marrying know. Emily. I, I know. I know. Well done, I'm well sorry. done. But I'm sure that when that when Friends was on, you got too many Friends jokes with your name. Uh, well, everyone thought they could call me Rach because she is, and I hate that so much. But they're like, "Well, well, it's okay with Rachel. Like, it's in the script, you idiot. Of course, she's okay with it." <laughs> so you're saying and Rach? that's not her real name. I know, I know. <laughs> so you're saying Rach makes you feel rage? Yes. <laughs> Hashtag Rach sorry, rage. I apologize. No, that, that's fine. The, the word play is encouraged on Big Nerdy Questions, as we all know. Only because yeah. of, of you, Josh. <laughs> well, well, yeah. He does, he does own the podcast. I know, I'm just... It's, it, it's kind of my thing. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I played Dragon Age Origins, and I played... Uh, I'm all, about halfway through the game. I've been playing as a male wood elf. Uh, so okay, my, my background was not nearly as traumatic. I lost a friend in a oh. cave, but that was... You are a Dalish elf, not a city elf. Yes, yes. That's okay. Yeah, see, that's the difference. You, I just explained what happened if you were forced to submit to the humans and become part of the alienage. You know what it's like to be a real free elf, so to speak. Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, please tell me your character's name is Bobby. 
I don't remember, but it, it ought to be. Esther can't be a sock. And no, now I want a game, a fighter game, where Dobby's weapon is a sock. That would be awesome. Finish him. Suck it. <laughs> Dobby Suck it him, wins. Like Death by sock. That would be Elf Ality. Meaning to suck it to me. <laughs> Elf Ality. Actually, I just looked it up on TV Tropes, and I would say literally the pa- the cover photo for Blood Splattered Wedding Dress is the one I was just talking about. There you go. It is literally the photo. But it is a trope on there. For the elf origin. So, that's great. Isn't Final Fantasy VII have something like that? Uh, Not a wedding. Oh, okay. One of the the Final Fantasies has a wedding that goes wrong. Ooh, I'm trying to think real quick. Is it eight? I'll I'll get back to you. Yeah, one of them. Ten. 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 That's it. You know decides to marry somebody to... To, to backstab him and it doesn't work. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. No more spoilers. Oh, a backstabbing gone wrong. How ironic. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to be nice, it wasn't actually a backstabbing. He, he's kind of the character was undead, and she wanted to force him to go to the afterlife because that's what her job is. Oh my god, oh, I'm having Inuyasha flashbacks right now. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> what? Pretty much. That's, okay. that, there you go. That's that's a trope. <laughs> yes. So many tropes. Uh, but for an author who doesn't use tropes, uh, Jen, what's your first choice? My first choice was, um, so let me paint Han Solo. Let's just, let's just start with that. Han Solo in the original, (laughs) uh, see it when you read through all those books and stuff that are now not canon or whatever. Um, he has been through three alien invasions that I have read. Um, obviously he went through the original series, got tortured and so far. Um, he, goes through a rebellion, another rebellion later on, which he's on the opposite side, and then his daughter turns to the dark side and comes back, his child is killed, his uh, brother-in-law turns to the dark side and comes back, and then his son becomes evil, tries to kill him and his wife, and his daughter kills his son and his sister-in-law and his, his nephew. And I feel like, and then there's even a book where he goes through a zombie apocalypse on a stormtrooper spaceship so i feel like it's enough for han and oh, the force and, awakens and i mean what happened well in the force so yeah awakens, then they rewrite yeah. it so so now like imagine you've gone through all these things but at least you have the love of your life at least you have leia he always still has leia even when chewie is being crushed by a moon he still has leia so then in the force awakens they make it that he's been separated from leia and they like, destroy their relationship and it's like that's the one thing that he would have gone through all that to keep Right at that point mm-hmm. of that rewrite, I feel like Han would be like, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna step out here. I'm gonna kill you. We're gonna start over. Ah, uh, so he Han shot Solo first. My first pick. <laughs> exactly. He would shoot <laughs> the author first. Yeah. <laughs> In this case, I'm assuming he would shoot good old George. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, he I mean, to- well, he lived at the end of that trilogy. He was all alive, and he had Leia. He had his like happy ending of the second trilogy. So he would shoot JJ as well as the authors of the extended universe. Oh, I'm with him on that one. Let's do it. Yeah, maybe he'd leave George Lucas alone because he had a good story then. It was like a reasonable, there was a story arc, there was a beginning and an end, not this ongoing, like, it's not realistic for you to have three alien invasions in your life. I haven't even had one. 
I mean, come on. Well, you have to, if you had to admit, like, that those characters, though, like, Luke, Leia, and Han, they get, oh, Jesus, it's just like, oh, let's see how much we can torture these people. They're special. <laughs> God. Post-traumatic really Star Wars I mean, disorder. Luke, Luke ends up yes, having right. to fight his own clone. What is That's true. That? Yeah, he had to That's fight true. the evil Luke, also known as Duke. <laughs> It's like I don't Darth think that's Link. his name. I don't think it's his not. Name is I'm just joking, but you know. Okay, <laughs> well, <laughs> I was just joking. I was like, "Have I messed up?" Just their name spelled backwards, so e cool. E cool. That sounds perfect. He that had a mustache awesome. and uh, <laughs> handlebar mustache, red lightsaber. For some reason, he's carrying a actual 45 caliber pistol. No, don't know why. No. Not and a blaster. After every, and after every sentence, he goes, "Man." Nah. <laughs> I'll yeah, get I you, Luke. A picture of this and your little Wookiee, too. Of... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one of the listeners will draw a picture of this now. Yes. I see that. Well, we're still waiting for the fan art of Franklin Roosevelt with the Captain America wheels on his wheelchair. Uh, yeah. We are wanting still that. Have you seen the, have you seen the uh, Roosevelt and FDR and everybody versus Deadpool comic? Because it is wonderful. All the presidents, all the dead presidents come back from death and they fight deadpool and he's by far one of the most epic ones with his wheelchair i was like what 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 about tr teddy roosevelt he's he his he that one is amazing in that one uh deadpool gets impaled through the butt by an elephant and says you should her first and it's it's just really good i don't i didn't really like the comic arc after it because it was really it it was a i don't want to be a wuss and say it was too dark for me but there were themes in it that made me very uncomfortable. But him fighting all the presidents was wonderful. And when he's being beat up by Abraham Lincoln, and Abraham Lincoln is asking him, like, what are you even here for? Like, what is your purpose? You have, you are not a good guy. You're not really a bad guy. Nobody really likes you. You're this weird, quirky thing that won't shut up. What are you here for? What is the attraction about you? And it's kind of fourth wall character. And Deadpool gets up after being beaten to a tar by Abraham Lincoln, shirtless Abraham Lincoln. And he gets him. He says, I never give up. That's the defining thing about his character. Anyway, now uh, more like I never shut up. <laughs> right. It's one and the same for him. <laughs> but did you ever read the, uh, the Deadpool and friends where uh, he brought Benjamin Franklin back from the dead? And killed him with culture shock by accident. <laughs> Maybe that's where the Benjamin Franklin ghost came from. Because in this one, I'm talking about like the Benjamin Franklin is the ghost that follows him around and helps him. Maybe that's maybe oh that one ben is based Franklin off. Yeah. Is, that's so Ben Franklin is Deadpool's Obi Wan. Yes. Yeah, there, there's an entire <laughs> issue of Deadpool and Friends where Deadpool somehow manages to bring Benjamin Franklin back from the dead, and he's just teaching him about the modern world, and uh, the culture shock is enough to kill Benjamin Franklin. A second time. Yeah, hey, that makes as sense. As much fun as Ben Franklin had with the French courtesans, I don't think much would kill that bastard. Uh, I agree. Well, well, apparently so, STDs can kill that bastard. It took probably. a long time, though. It took a while. <laughs> Yeah, um, and a res- and a resurrection, but hey, yeah, plus will get you. But Abraham Lincoln right. was, of course, that's accurate because Abraham Lincoln was one of the earliest practitioners of what would become professional wrestling. Uh, he was oh, a I didn't know that. he was a catches catch can wrestler. So when it was actually legitimate wrestling, what the kind of moves are based on catches catch can. Abraham Lincoln was an amateur catches catch can fighter. Uh, I can't remember. Was it the pilot driver that he was credited with creating? 
One of the signature moves, yes, he is He is credited with creating it, yes. I don't know which one. Okay, now but... I am absolutely convinced that we are all living in a version of the Twilight Zone now. <laughs> I know, it's it's <laughs> weird. It's weird as all hell, but it, it's true. I, I wouldn't lie about a historical fact. Uh, Especially, oh God, it's too easy with presidents. I, I cannot tell a lie, right? <laughs> Unless you're Richard <laughs> Nixon, but that's another show. Uh, which later on this season, I can plug it. Uh, Colleen, Matt and I are going to be recasting with presidents again, but this time we're not recasting the Avengers. We'll be recasting star Wars. How appropriate given the Han Solo introduction for this, but yes, we'll be recasting star Wars with the U S presidents later this season. So you have that to look forward to dear listeners. Where will Matt put FTR? Listen to find out. And I have (laughs) spoiler alert. I have a great place for Millard Fillmore. Love it. You will find out soon enough. Uh, so Han Solo is your first pick. That's a great first pick. And Matt, which character dies or which character kills his author or her or her author first? <sighs> well, I am actually going to go with a George R. R. Martin character. Appropriate. Um, all the characters. <laughs> well, I, I think there's one character who's taken it who's taken it on the nose a lot harder than anybody else, and that's Tyrion Lannister. Now, uh, I'm referring to specifically the the books here, because in the books and the show, he's gotten it bad. But when when he gets wounded and gets that scar in the show, it was a lot worse in the books because he was he was already started out with dwarfism in a society where dwarves are um ostracized yeah, I, I was going to say castrated and their penis is used as a commodity for uh superstitious oh. rituals that, yeah that's but, worse <laughs> yeah, that's a form of ostracism also, he, in the ancient greece earth uh he has green and black heterochromia so he has one green eye and one black eye which is really wreck actually i think he might be one of the only known characters in ice and fire uh, his he is blamed by his entire family for his mother's death because she died giving birth to him, and they blame it on his disproportionately large head, which is still disproportionately large. He has a Neanderthal-like uh, sh- the shelved eyebrow, mm-hmm. and then he gets disfigured with not only the major facial scar, but in that battle, he also lost the majority of his nose. Oh, man. So, you know, that's pretty rough. I mean, and, every Game of Thrones character's got a case, but you're making a really good case for Tyrion. Then he is framed and sentenced to die for the death of the king, who, of course, was uh, his nephew, the, the product of his brother and sister's incestuous relationship, which everybody seems to just kind of like pretend it's not happening. Um, so the only way to escape being put to death for killing his nephew that he didn't kill is to kill his own father and go into exile. Oh, and when he goes to kill his father, let's not forget that when he goes into the bedroom, his father's not there because he went to go to the bathroom. Instead, what he finds is his lover naked in his father's bed. And so he has to kill her so that she doesn't call the guards to have him killed. Mm. See, George R. R. Martin has openly admitted exactly. that he kills his 
characters just for fun. Or he does yeah. that to his characters just for fun. And to me, that makes me angry. <laughs> you know, I felt that I was about to say, I feel like Martin just has like, you know, a, like a 12 sided dice or just so he's got a die on his, you know, and, and he just tosses it. And then he's got a corresponding board. If it lands on one, then this is what's going to happen to the character. If it lands on well, six, then, says, okay. He actually says his goal is to hurt, which I, I, as a writer, I find that I think that suffering should have a purpose. But we have very different worldviews. His worldview is not that suffering should have a purpose, but that suffering is, is fun to make the reader and the characters suffer, and therefore they yeah. should suffer, which it's is like, why it's so successful. Yeah. Honestly, when it's all said and done, if Tyrion's not sitting on the Iron Throne, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also think that despite all of the ridiculous stuff he goes through, he's a resilient character. Uh, some people go through about as worse, but then they, they can't. They can't overcome yeah. it at all. He's also so. the only one who's not just blinded by ambition. Everybody wants the throne. Everybody wants the throne. He just wants to be left the hell alone with a bottle of wine, a good book, and maybe a couple prostitutes. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, he sounds like just, a nerd, and then you ended with the prostitutes. This episode is brought to you by Nevada. Nevada, where you can find everything that Tyrion Lannister wants and needs. <laughs> There's a reason he calls himself the god of tits and wine. Yep. Good old Tyrion. Well yeah, then. I, I, gotta, I gotta agree with that one. Like I said, the, the only caveat I would say is he does manage to make something of himself, so he isn't like 100% miserable, but... Then again, if you lived a life like that, only to find out that the only reason you live your life like that is because somebody wanted you to, yeah. Or, or which is worse, that there's no logic or reason or purpose behind it. It was just like, oh, I just, you know, I just did it for and giggles. I would be really mad, too. I'd be like, how dare you? Yeah, because it's not to make him better. It's not, oh, I, I used my godlike author power to bring you to something or to help people. It's like, I did it because I thought it would be fun. That would make me so mad as a Exactly. <laughs> so I will introduce my first pick, and uh, I'm going to introduce, my as is per usual in these kind of episodes, I'm going to throw in my pick from classic literature. Now, there are so many choices from classic literature that come to mind. Oedipus Rex, for the obvious reasons. Um, his mother, for the even more obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> there oh. uh, are... Numerous picks from, like, for example, Crime and Punishment and Anybody in Tolstoy. Uh, Javert from Les Miserables is a good choice. Any Dickens character. Which is where I'm actually going. Uh, because I think that any Dickens character could easily throw in here. But the Dickens character that I'm throwing in is the first ever Dickens book I read was Great Expectations. And even though I enjoyed... <laughs> oh, no. Even though I enjoyed the book overall... I think that Pip, Philip Pippin, should be yeah. killing Charles Dickens over and over again. <laughs> you yes. know, just pause really, Josh. I just wanted to tell you, I actually considered Pip as well, is bringing that up. And I was like, you know what, Josh is totally, he loves Dickens. We'll see what he does. So I love that we have, like, this mind sync right now. <laughs> uh, so Pip, oh, Pip. So he starts as a young boy who's poor and wants to make something of himself. And then he, well, he doesn't. He goes through the rest of the, the, rest of the novel and he, through, I don't want to go into all the detail because we'll be here for another hour. 
but the, the, the basics, basics here. His family has ostracized him. He doesn't have a great home life. He goes off in his teenage years. He has a benefactor who sort of who gives him money and riches. He thinks it's a woman named Miss Havisham, and he falls in love with her granddaughter, a lovely girl named Estella. Uh, but this on this particular episode, you know where it's going. The benefactor is not Miss Havisham, and Estella, at least in Charles Dickens' originally intended version, does not end up with Pip. Pip gains a fortune and loses it all. And in the end, he says, I made something of myself because I'm not who I once was. But maybe. But what Pip has been given and taken away is far, far more than where he's at at the end. Essentially, Pip's moral is... Be happy that you are 1% better than you were as opposed to the 50 times percent better that you were two years earlier. Oh, and by the way, in my book, Pip is the modern version of another classic character who wanted to kill his author, Job, from the book of Job. Because he goes through (laughs) all of these things and then says, oh, by the way, my life is still grand. Hey, Pip, Earth to Pip. No, it's not. You've been screwed, and take it out on Charles Dickens. Take a poker from the fireplace in every Victorian uh, house, find Charles Dickens' house, and say, you have a debt to pay. That's not new for you, Mr. Dickens. And then, well, give him the business end of the poker. That was an excellent burn. Oh, my gosh. He was always in debt. Yeah, he was. I say this as a Dickensian fan. I, ha- I mean, listeners know I have a first edition Dickens. It's an awesome thing. But <laughs> Pip went through absolute hell, and he didn't, get, he didn't get the girl. He didn't get the money. He didn't get redemption. He got Jack, <laughs> and he deserves yeah. redemption, and he deserves vengeance <laughs> in the best way possible. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Pip. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag I am Pip, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, coming to theaters this fall. <laughs> Or would it be, I'm the <laughs> Pip? <laughs> yes, I oh, am man. Pip. Uh, so. you know, I, I agree with you, Josh. And I'm going to tell you, um, I did not like Pip as a character. And I was the only person in my high school English class that was satisfied by the ending because I hated him. And I was like, you lost everything. You know, <laughs> your girl, your girlfriend, like, you know, made you fall in love with her just for her to leave you. Full. I was like, ha. But I, yeah, I completely understand. Everybody else in the class was, like, really upset. They were like, that's it? That's the ending? What the hell would we read this book for? That ending was horrible. It was so disappointing. It wasn't yeah. great. And I, my mm-hmm. expectations were not met. Uh, that's Dickens' way of saying, fool you. <laughs> and the thing oh. is, it was my first Dickens book, and I think it's the worst one of his that I've read. I much prefer Bleak House. I much Ooh. prefer A Tale of Two Cities. Christmas Carol, mm. Nickleby, they're all better in my book, Hard Times. They're all better than Great Expectations. And yet, it's the one that always gets assigned in high school English classes. And for the life of me, I do not understand why. It's, you know, anyway. what everybody we should do is we should all just watch a Muppet Christmas Carol and move on. <laughs> yes. Tiny Tim, another good example. Or perhaps Cratchit would be a good example. Because it doesn't even get to be anything but a ghost. Uh... I know that we are pressed for time, so as in our second round here, we're just going to go through some quick picks so that we can have a chance to do it. And this time, mm-hmm. I'll, start, I'll start with Jen in this rotation. Who is your next pick? Just real quick. 
Jason Todd. Ooh. Because he gets killed. So, well, so he gets killed, resurrected. He comes back again. He has to fight his kind of older brother version to be Batman. He doesn't get to be Batman. Um, and it, that's really tough. I, my husband made me watch Under the Red Hood. Um, and he t- promised me the, so it's the scene movie starts with a kid getting beaten to death. And so I was like, I'm in a depressed mood already. Maybe we shouldn't watch this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. And the whole movie like, oh, it's, it's okay. Jason Todd has a plan. Cause I was like, he's starting to burn women alive. I'm not sure that this is no. getting better. And he's like, no, 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 he has a plan. It's okay. And then he's starting to mentally torment Batman. I'm like, Brian. Brian, I don't think it's getting better. Oh, it'll be better. And then at the end, it's not better. And (laughs) may I point out that Jason Todd was the first ever comic book character killed by crowdsourcing. Yes, that comes up in my my book. Yes. I mean, he was killed by a fan vote. So he has a, a, a vengeance not only against the people at DC Comics, but literally against every DC comic book reader. Oh, man, Matt, you better watch out. I don't think Matt's gonna. I, I'm in big <laughs> than him. I read more DC than him. He reads Marvel stuff. But what? In uh, fairness, I, actually, I did not vote for this. Uh, I did read that particular uh, storyline, so I, I might be in it. But I did not vote in 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 that. Oh, you be sure to tell him that when he comes. For it's you. like a choose your own adventure, but except it was, you know, animated and done by actual writers and not just choices. Uh, Choose Your Own Adventures were written by good writers, but you chose the storyline. In this case, it was just for A or for B. Uh, and <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, uh, Colleen, your second pick, please. Hmm. So I have uh, I had I had two others, and I'll just mention both really quick. So one is an honorable mention. Uh, I was going to go with Odysseus from the Odyssey. There you go. Good, great uh, pick. For, you know, because that entire giant thing we all had to read in high school is just one, like, giant torture scene for both the uh, character and the readers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the sirens weren't real. The sirens weren't real. Again. <laughs> we should just watch the, the movie version and, and move on. Yeah. And then so now my pick is actually it's more um, every single uh, video game player who had to play the original uh, Fable. And then you were told that at the end of the game, you could get the Sword of Aeons. But in order to get it, you had to make it through, like, 15-minute long, 20-minute long credit scene, and credit scene. And then because it was so long, the disc would keep freezing, and then you would lose it, and you could never get the (laughs) stupid sword. So, um... Uh, I may I may have spent many 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 hours trying to get the damn sword of Aeons. Uh, so legit might, rage there. Yeah, I'm like it's been many years, and I might still be a little bitter. So for every single fan who ever tried to had to sit through an entire list of every single food item and catering item that they ever and all the babies that were born during the making of this game, I feel your pain, man. So. That one, that, one, that one goes out to all of us. <laughs> uh, Rachel, who's your second pick? Okay. Well, Ed and I talked about this a few episodes ago when we talked about what world we did not want to live in, and Ed brought up Berserk. So let me do a very, very quick rundown of why Guts, the main character in Berserk, is definitely needs to cleave his author in half with a uh, Zyhander. Okay. First of all, he was born from the corpse of his of his mother, who was hung to death. He was taken in by a man who regularly abused him and sold him into prostitution. Then he killed his first man at nine, became a mercenary, joined a band of 
of, of other mercenaries, fought demons and people constantly, was eventually betrayed by the head of the band of mercenaries called Griffith, who then sacrificed everybody in the band to demons, and then all of his friends died around him. Griffith raped his pregnant girlfriend, which thereby corrupts their unborn child, turns girlfriend insane from the trauma, and then guts cuts off his own arm trying to get her to her during that sequence and also gets his eye torn out by a demon. After all of that happens, he's branded with a demon mark that makes demons and other bad guy guys converge on him constantly. So now he's trying to protect his girlfriend, destroy demons, while looking for his former best friend so he can slay him. <gasps> Who wrote that? Oh my gosh, what a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's a manga artist by the name of Kentaro uh, Miura, so I, I say he should cleave him in half with his uh, his uh, ginormous uh, two handed blade, which is by the manga is called Berserk. Certainly appropriate. Because after all that, he has a couple of reasons to get, to to be so. so but okay, so uh, my final pick is specifically 1950s through 1970s Aquaman. So Silver Age <laughs> and the show Super Friends. And the reason for that is he got jacked over. I mean, he constantly gets made fun of because his, his most famous power is he can talk to fish. Now, that eventually evolved into he can telepathically communicate with fish. Um, then, yeah, because that's better. Yeah. Then in the 60s, they decided to give an octopus, an octopus as a sidekick, an octopus named Topo as a sidekick. So his sidekick... <laughs> can't really last that long outside the water. Then, since they decided that if Superman has a weakness, everyone has to have a weakness, so they jacked over Green Lantern by making him weak to the color yellow, but they they really screwed Aquaman because he originally didn't have a weakness. Instead, they're like, oh, well, now that, now that you know, Superman's so powerful, we have to make you have a weakness so that, you know, because Superman, better than everyone else, we... And uh, you, uh, you can tell I have feelings about Superman. Um, quick, quick so question. now he has so, to touch water one hour, or he will fall over dead. Wait, when you say so, the color yellow. That so I'm confused. What so there's when a he sees the color yellow. There's color a comic yellow. where Robin defeats. Yeah, Rob. There's a comic where Robin almost beats uh, Green Lantern to a pulp, painting the whole room yellow and painting himself yellow. Green Lantern has no powers and is easily overpowered by this like. Kid. Because in Green so, Lantern, yellow is the color of, of uh, fear. Paint, apparently. <laughs> so, I'm assuming that means, like, the during the morning when kids are going to and from school, it's not a good time for him? No, no it's no, not, no. He, he, he is not waiting at the bus stop with his kids. There's a reason most of the Lantern stories are set at night, uh, just saying. Uh, but, but it's like, I think Aquaman really got short shrift. Because there's a lot of great mythos and other things attached to Aquaman, but then the writers just gave him the most idiotic powers and limitations. They're like, we've got all these great ideas. Okay, how can we ruin them? Well, if they keep that canon... He's the butt of of every Justice League-related joke at this point. If they keep that canon... (laughs) If that's canon in his individual movie... It's going to have to be sponsored by Aquafina every few minutes. You just have to drink another piece of water to touch it. Uh, but my last pick, uh, I have a lot of honorable mentions. Uh, basically, any character in Mortal Kombat is an honorable mention. Uh, there's so many of those that have been put through the ringer numerous, numerous times. 
uh, Gollum from the Lord of the Rings because Lord knows that guy, uh, as his previous self, deserved a break. Uh, but my actual pick is Jordy LaForge from Star Trek The Next Generation uh, because, A, he is stuck as the – he's a chief engineer, but he never gets the chance to sh- really shine. All of his individual episodes are crap, even though he's one of the most interesting characters on the show. Uh, every time he tries to date a girl, he's either, he's either rejected, rebuffed, or the girl turns out to be the villain and or an alien and or a dog and, or a hologram. And one time he even evolved into an electric eel-type uh, mammalian weird thing due to a transporter accident. So Jordy LaForge would overcharge his visor and turn into a bomb to kill uh, Rick Berman and the other producers of The Next Generation. But don't take my word for it. <laughs> <laughs> because he, And then, of course, as he's walking out, he would say, It's in a book. Read a book. Reading Rainbow, bitch. <laughs> and then he would just walk out uh, and, and as the, from the explosion slow, uh, in slow motion. But anyway, I know, Jen, you have to go. Uh, but I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Our list can go uh, fine, Becoming Hero, and they really should. Uh, and I want to thank the rest of the panel. Uh, thank you, Colleen and Rachel, for being on the show. And Matt, if you will, please, as always, kill the Gungan! Well, Josh, turns out George Jar listened to our episode and thought he'd get an idea. So he went out and he tried to sneak up on George Lucas to kill him to save his reputation as a character. And as he snuck up on George Lucas, he was ambushed from behind and garroted with the script of Episode 7 by J.J. Abrams. Oh! <laughs> Jar Jar is dead, but the podcast lives on. Uh, for Jen Finelli and the rest of the B&Q crew, uh, this is Josh saying good night. And next time on Big Nerdy Questions, we're going back to Hogwarts. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.